Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Gating Health Podcast and another episode of What's Up Wednesday. So first of all, I want to wish everybody a very, very happy and healthy 2023, and I hope that everybody had a lovely holiday season with their loved ones. So for this episode of What's Up Wednesday, we're going to do things a little bit differently. So for one thing, you'll notice that there's no intro or outro music for this podcast, and that's because, well, it was the holidays, and I had the pleasure of hosting my parents, my sister and her husband, and their three beautiful children for 10 whole days at our house. So we had a packed full house, and so I chose to spend that time focusing on my family, who I don't get to see as often as I'd like. So um, we're going a little rogue here. No editing, just straight up my thoughts, and we're going to see how it goes. <laughs> so I'm not going to be discussing a recent journal art today um, article, but I did want to catch you up on a few exciting recent developments that are related to obesity. Uh, one, Wegovy has now been FDA approved for adolescents age 12 or older with an initial BMI at or above the 95th percentile, along with lifestyle changes, of course. So that's very exciting. That was kind of a very quiet change uh, that they didn't uh, release a lot of press around. So in case you missed that, so we now have... Um, we now have Qsimia approved in that population. We have Saxenda approved, and now also Wegovy approved in this population. So it's great to have more tools in our toolbox for our adolescents as well. Also, the word on the street is that Wegovy, again, semaglutide 2.4, is back in stock. So that is really great too. Hopefully it will stay that way. Hopefully they can keep up with the production. And three, I wanted to highlight an amazing segment that was aired on 60 Minutes recently featuring doctors Cody Fatima Stanford and Dr. Carolyn Apovian. And this was a fantastic segment on, on 60 Minutes. And I will put the link to this segment in the show notes. And I highly encourage all of you to watch it and to share it with as many people as you can, because it's so important to get this message out about obesity as a disease, to get rid of the, the stigma and the shame associated with obesity uh, and to help the public understand this disease better as well. So I hope you watch it and share it. So for this episode, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge on New Year's resolutions, but what I do believe in is taking time to reflect on what we're doing with our lives and why. And I know this is, for me, this is hard to do for so many of us. We're so busy all the time that rarely do we stop and think about these things and being intentional, intentional about what we're doing. And so today what I'm going to do is just talk a little about, a little bit about my journey, right? So I always talk to my patients about why it's so important for them to find their big why, right? Why is it that they want to prioritize their weight and their health right now? How is it affecting their lives and how do they think their lives might be different if they were able to address this. And of course, this is very different for every person. 
And so it's just something that I tell them to like write down and keep close by so they can keep looking at it to remind them why they're doing these things that are often, you know, difficult and time consuming and we get worn down. So it's important to remember our big why. And I think this is really important for all clinicians as well to make sure that we're asking ourselves our big why for, you know, why did we choose to work in the medical field? right? What is it that we were hoping to provide for our patients, the difference that we're trying to make in patients' lives? And also, you know, is that reflected in what you're doing every day? So whenever I have my incredible guests on, I always like to ask them how and why they got involved in the field of obesity management. So, but I guess I haven't really shared my story with you all yet. So today I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my story and my big why. So I did not want to go into the medical field. (laughs) I did not. However, I'd been fascinated with the human body and the human mind ever since I was a little kid, ever since I can remember. And so that kind of led uh, to two undergraduate degrees. So I got a degree in psychology and a degree in physiology. And most of my classmates, especially the ones in the physiology program, were gearing up to go to medical school. But I really wasn't interested at all in going down that path because what I saw in the medical system, especially at that time, was, and we still see it today, right, is that we're simply covering up symptoms of ill health pills and band-aids without getting to the root cause of what's driving a lot of these medical conditions. But what did interest me was a lot of the research that was coming out about the impact of things like exercise and different lifestyle components, sleep and stress on health, both mental health and physical health. Again, I've always had this Um, conviction of the importance of addressing both, you know, the mental and the physical side together, that they are are one and that they shouldn't be seen as two separate entities. And so I, you know, started looking at different fields. So there was a new emerging field called psychoneuroimmunology, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, But then also just seeing over and over again, the role that exercise can play in both mental health and physical health. So that's the path I decided to pursue uh, for graduate school. I decided to pursue a degree in clinical exercise physiology at the University of Texas in Austin. And I absolutely loved this program. And in addition to the fascinating exercise physiology that we're learning about, I was also taking courses in health behavior change. And the more I got into it, the more I saw this as the missing link between the science and the application of the science, right? So now that we know how important physical activity is, how can we help people actually make this difficult behavior change and stick with it? And that, in my opinion, was the biggest question then and still is the biggest thing that we struggle with now. And as I was going through my courses, I started having conversations with my professors about what I was going to do with this degree after graduation. And in talking to them, you know, they kind of said that other than research or working as a trainer or in cardiac rehab, there weren't a lot of clinical opportunities for exercise physiologists at that time. A lot of that, of course, has to do with insurance reimbursement, which insurance still does not cover 
exercise physiologist for the most part, which is a real shame. And I really wanted to work with the clinical population, right? I didn't want to work in research or anything like that. I wanted to work with patients who had cancer, diabetes, obesity, depression, all of these medical conditions that we know benefit so greatly from physical activity. So my professor suggested that if I really wanted to work with the clinical population, that I should get a medical degree. So that's how I ended up finding the PA profession, which I didn't even know what a PA was at this time. Um, but I kind of did some research, shadowed some people, and I decided I was going to attend PA school. And so after graduating PA school, my plan was to work in primary care and focus on disease prevention and counseling my patients on lifestyle changes. And it sounds good, right? I mean, I was like, okay, I have this all figured out. I'm not going to follow the traditional path, if you will. And I'm really going to focus on disease prevention and behavior change. But as many of you may have guessed by now, my idea of how I had planned to practice medicine was squashed pretty quickly by the reality that many of us live with, right? Of seeing 25 to 30 patients a day in primary care with all kinds of health issues. Oftentimes it was, you know, cold and flu related or rashes, lacerations, more urgent care type stuff. Um, and then for those who did come in for chronic disease management, like hypertension or diabetes, you know, really all I had time for was just a quick med check, you know, doing labs, vitals, doing medication refills, or maybe a medication change. But there wasn't much time left after that for any time of lifestyle counseling. And, and our practice did have a, a med spa next door. So for anyone who is interested in, in weight loss, I was recommended to send them to the HCG program at the med spa next door. So that was my first exposure to any kind of medical weight loss, if you will. So now, of course, we know that, um, that there have been several position statements against the use of HCG, but I didn't know this at that time. And I hadn't learned anything about weight management in any of the programs, really, that I had been in other than just telling people to eat less and move more, right? So, uh, and, and yes, most people I would send over there did lose some weight, but the weight always came right back. And so it really wasn't long before I started to feel completely burned out and depleted and really dissatisfied with my professional life. This was not what I had, you know, wanted to do with my professional life. And also, I forgot to mention that I also had my first child three days before graduating PA school. So I also had a baby at home. We had a new house. Uh, and a year and a half later, I had another baby on the way. So my saving grace, honestly, was a move to Chicago for my husband's work. Um, and so I left. I was six months pregnant and, and had a one and a half year old. And 11 months after that, after we moved, and again, another baby later, we moved again, another out-of-state move. And this time we had moved to Texas. So I knew that I really needed to go back to work, but I really had no idea what I wanted to do professionally. And I almost started giving up hope that I could actually help patients live healthier and happier lives as a medical professional. I thought, you know, if this is, is really not turning out how I had hoped but, you know, I started going door to door with my resume in hand, thinking maybe I could work in a different field. You know, I thought dermatology was interesting or orthopedics. And so I was going around door to door with my resume in my hand and I came across a surgical office. 
So I decided to swing past that office, you know, one more time before picking up my little ones from the drop-in daycare where I had left them so I could go around with my resume. And I met the office manager who was also the dietitian and also the surgeon's wife. And when she saw my resume and my background in in personal training and exercise physiology and health behavior change, she got super excited and she ran to the back to grab the surgeon out of a patient's room. And they asked me to come back the next day for a formal interview. And after discussing how I could help counsel their bariatric patients, you know, before surgery, after surgery, they could train me to be a first assist in the OR. Um, And then they basically, they offered me a job on the spot. And so while I had absolutely no knowledge about bariatric surgery, and to be honest, I really wasn't sure about surgery for obesity management, because again, I had no knowledge, no education, no training in this. And, you know, I was still of that mindset at the time that, you know, didn't patients just need support with helping them eat better and exercise more. So I really wasn't sure about all this. But I took the job because at least I could talk to patients about lifestyle, which was, after all, my passion. That's what I wanted to do. And so this really ended up being the start of my work in obesity management, and I have not looked back since. And through going to conferences and voraciously reading everything I could about the disease of obesity, once I had had my light bulb moment at at an ASMBS conference that I attended a week after accepting this job where I learned all about obesity as a disease and all the hormones and the complexities and the genetics and all of these different factors that I now know, um, you know, it, it's just been totally mind-blowing to me and eye-opening. So I was trying to read everything I possibly could, attend every conference I possibly could to learn more about the disease of obesity. Because again, I've not learned anything about obesity in any of my previous training. And even at this point in 2012, obesity had not yet been formally recognized by the American Medical Association as a disease, which would happen a year later in 2013. So I came to understand that it was, in fact, a neurobehavioral disease and that lifestyle counseling, which is, of course, vitally important, but for many patients was not sufficient to really be able to address this disease states and that a lot of patients needed that combination of lifestyle, behavioral, psychological support, and then also that medical or that surgical support to help them be successful with managing this disease. And soon after I started on this path, some of the um, new uh, anti-obesity medications came out, such as Contrave, Qsimia, and Saxenda, all hit the market shortly thereafter. And that's when I realized that I really needed to become more educated on the medical treatment of obesity as well, so that I, as a PA, could really offer patients the full spectrum of care, you know, everything from lifestyle to medications to surgery, and really just meet the patient where they were and give them the support that they needed. So I joined the Obesity Medicine Association, which at the time was called the American Association of Bariatric Physicians. And a few years later, I ended up taking a job in primary care with a physician who was board certified in obesity medicine. And so what I did was I helped manage and develop the medical obesity management program there. And I will spare you the rest of my professional journey, but what I want to share with you is that like, I found my big why and my professional satisfaction in obesity medicine. 
I went into medicine because I wanted to get to the root cause of chronic diseases rather than just applying band-aids to the downstream, downstream symptoms of ill health. And I wanted to help patients live healthier and happier lives and actually feel better, right? So in primary care, when I was working, nobody ever thanked me for helping them lower their blood pressure or their cholesterol, right? My patients weren't feeling better, even if you know we were helping them control these symptoms. And obviously, that's going to help their health, but they didn't feel better. And if anything, they felt worse because of the medications I was putting them on. And obesity medicine is different, right? And Nick Pennings has said this in conferences, and I really agree with him. Obesity medicine is happy medicine. Patients are so grateful for your help and your support, and they actually feel better and can live fuller lives that are not hindered by their weight. They're able to do things that they couldn't do before. And so this is really my big why and why I'm so passionate about spreading the word about obesity care. So that's why I do this podcast. And that's why I present at conferences and work on courses for clinicians and talk to medical students and PA and NP students. And that's why I create resources and tools for clinicians to make it easier for them to incorporate obesity medicine into their clinical practice. So my ask for you this week is that you take a few minutes out of your day and to really think about your big why. You know, what is it doing? What are you doing with your professional life? And is it in line with your big why? And if it's not quite in line with that, what can you do to change that? So I'll leave you with that thought and maybe 2023 will be the year for you that you stop thinking about treating obesity and actually start doing it. Or maybe you're already doing it and you want to start precepting or mentoring others how to do it or to take that scary leap to actually submit a presentation so that you can help educate your peers. So whatever it is, I wish you all the best with your endeavors and I wish you a very happy and healthy 2023. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you back next week on the Gaining Health Podcast with the amazing, incredible Dr. Ben Bickman. So I will see you then. Take care.